This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Where Parents Talk here on 105.9 The Region. I'm Leanne Castellino. A recent global analysis of screen time among kids between 3 and 18 years old looked at data involving some 30,000 children. Researchers focused on the time period during the pandemic. They found that the average daily screen use by kids increased by more than 80 minutes to sit at more than four hours of screen time per day. The findings appeared in the Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics. Screen time has been a growing preoccupation of our guest today. It is the subject of her first book. Catherine Martinko is a journalist and a mother of three boys. Her book is called Childhood Unplugged, Practical Advice to Get Kids Off Screens and Find Balance. Catherine joins us today from Port Elgin, Ontario. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Leanne. Let's dive right in, Catherine. What was the impetus for you to write this book? Yes, well, it's been many years in the making. I have three kids who are 8, 11, and 13, so I have been parenting for quite a while, and we've always taken a digital minimalist approach to raising them with very few devices in our home. And to be honest, I never really thought much of it until they got older and a lot of people started approaching me, asking me for advice on how to cut back on their own kids' screen time habits. And that's when I kind of realized that maybe we had something very unusual going on that others might be interested in knowing about. And I've also spent a lot of time researching the effects of digital media on kids, especially as my kids have gotten older. And I've become more and more alarmed about the deluge of digital devices in kids' lives. And uh, I think that this book is coming at a time when a lot of other parents and educators, grandparents and healthcare professionals are concerned about that too. So interesting to hear you say that you made the decision to be a digital minimalist right off the bat. What led you down that path when you first became a parent? I was sort of born into it, to be completely honest. I was raised in a house in um, northern Ontario with no TV and no internet. My parents still don't have a TV or internet in their home. So it was sort of a uh, a very old-fashioned way of growing up, and it felt very natural. So I never had a TV. You know, when I left home, moved to the city for university, I never there was never a convenient time to just add it to my life. I had learned to entertain myself in other ways, and so it felt natural to continue doing that with my own kids. Um We have always entertained ourselves with lots of other things. You know, we're very outdoorsy. We love to read books. We love playing games. We love having people over. So there never felt, um, it never felt like there was other time to fill with something else. So have you ever had this problem of too much screen time in your own home with your kids? Certain things. So I I should be clear. I mean, we've never, we've chosen not to have TV and we never introduced um, tablets. So that was a decision that we made in 2011, 2012, when a lot of our friends were buying these newfangled devices for their babies. Um, And they were sort of becoming this diaper bag staple that I was noticing everywhere. And a few moms said, you should get one. It's a really good choice for your child. Um, And I opted not to just because I was a little leery about it. Um, My husband and I do have smartphones. We do have computers in the house. And we go through cycles. You know, our kids are still allowed to watch stuff on Netflix and play uh, Minecraft occasionally. And they sometimes like to nerd out on YouTube videos and whatnot. But so I know what it's like to feel like it's starting to get a little bit out of control and then to need to rein it back in and have what we like to call a digital reset in the family. 
What is the response generally from other parents, people you've met over the years and others, when you say that you don't have a TV in your house and you've got three children? People are surprised. Um, fewer, fewer and fewer people, I think, have TVs. Actually, I've found, I think now with the internet and laptops and computers and phones and tablets and all of those, um, it's not quite as, as, as permanent a staple in people's homes as it may have been in the past. Um, but there's a lot of disbelief. And I'd say there's often a lot of um, almost envy. You know, people say, wow, I wish that we could do that too. How do you do that? And again, that comes back to that question of why I wrote this book, because I realized that people are hungry for some practical guidelines, guidelines on maybe not to go to the extreme that my family has gone to, but just to curb it, you know, to pull back from the extreme um, inundation of these technologies that we're feeling right now in our lives. Now, as you prepared to write this book and during the process of conducting research for it, were there any specific statistics that caught your eye that we should know about as it relates to kids and screen time? The statistics on the average daily numbers of screen time are really shocking. So um, young children between ages of nine and 12 are spending between five or spending roughly five and a half hours a day on screens. And that's outside of school time. Teens between 13 and 18 are at eight hours and 40 minutes. That is the average. And that is just baffling because that's more time than they're spending in school. It's probably more time than they're even sleeping. So I find that really shocking. Um, and there was another really interesting statistic I just read a couple of weeks ago. There was a study that came out um, from Sapien Labs, which studies mental health. And they were tracking 28,000 young people. They found that kids who received phones at a younger age had worse mental health outcomes. And perhaps most interestingly, these researchers attributed this pattern not just to the increased tech use, but to the decreased time that these children were spending interacting with other people. And they said that screen time is displacing up to 2,000 hours a year that would otherwise be spent in face-to-face -face interactions with people. So I think that those two statistics, you know, this displacement of time and then these daily averages of these teens and these young younger kids, it just goes to show how much time is not being spent doing other things. You know, some of that screen time might be formative. Um, it could be constructive, but most of it likely isn't. And a lot of other things are getting pushed to the side in the process. We are in conversation with Catherine Martinko, journalist, first time author, and mother of three. Her book is called Childhood Unplugged. Catherine, you contend that it takes a village to keep children off screens. Can you break down what you mean by that? So what I tell parents is that when you take screens out of a kid's life, you do have to fill that time with something else. You can't just take them away and then expect that kid to automatically know what to do with themselves. That's not fair. Um, and generally, that means then you're going to start pushing the kid out into the world a little bit more. You know, that kid is expected to go outside to play, to go find friends. But the fact is that the real world these days is not terribly welcoming to kids. You know, there's a lot of dangerous traffic. Um, there are closed off schoolyards. There's inadequate playgrounds and green spaces. There's not safe pedestrian zones. You've got suspicious neighbors who are calling the police as soon as they see a lone child on the street. Um, you've got, you know, CAS investigating as well and following up. And I understand it's all well-intentioned, but I feel like there's this culture of suspicion surrounding kids playing. And that needs to change because the parents can't do it on their own. There have to be welcoming spaces for these kids to go, um, generally outside, generally surrounded by other people, if we're to get them off the devices. When you talk about this village, who else do you believe should be part of this village to help get kids off screens? 
Well, I think everyone who lives in an urban neighborhood really needs to be involved on some level. So the neighbors themselves, you know, neighbors who don't mind that kids are running through their yards and making noise in the streets. Um, other parents who also want to prioritize their kids outdoor play and are willing to deschedule their children's lives so that they can go outside and find someone else to play with. Um, I'd say urban planners, you know, our municipalities, our town city leaders really need to be designing spaces to welcome children as well, because they have just as much a right to exist and to roam and to move as adults do. But often I think that they become sort of second class citizens um, and really prioritizing their play, you know, especially older kids. We have a lot of playgrounds and things for little children. But, you know, I have two sons now who are 11 and 13 and they have fewer places to go. You know, um, there's a skate park and a BMX park. But other than that, um, we don't have much in our community for them to do. So I think kids of all ages really need um, spaces to to congregate and have face-to-face -face interactions with other teens and preteens. And then that's going to be an incentive to get off their devices as well. Now, Catherine, you shared that you and your husband made a conscious decision about not having a television in your home, about not giving your kids screen time. How did you go about preparing to carry that through? Because it's one thing to say, it's quite another thing to do, and certainly to execute on that. Well, I would say it's almost easier when you start that way. And one of my chapter headings is begin as you mean to go on. So a child that has never grown up with a phone or a tablet in their hands doesn't really know what they're missing. And they've not really experienced the hours of hyperstimulation. And then they just don't have that same drive. They don't hunger for it the same way that a kid who's always had it might. Um, as they get older, though, you know, as they as they make friends and go to school and have peers who have these devices, there's a lot more conversations with my kids about it. So um, my oldest kid wants a phone for sure. Um, in fact, this year, he was the last kid in his grade eight class not to have a smartphone. And that was a uh, distinction he did not appreciate one bit. So we had numerous conversations about it. Um, and it's an ongoing discussion. I just I fail to see how it would benefit him in ways that outweigh the risks. Um, I like to uh, use the tactic that actress Jennifer Garner used with her teenagers because she never let them have social media on their phones and they would push back. And she said, well, find me a study that proves that it's good for you at this age. And then and then we can talk about it. And so they would they weren't able to. But at the same time, they're educating themselves on the very issues that concerned her. So, yeah, it's an ongoing conversation. Um, we have workarounds. You know, my son can use the computer or my phone if he needs to communicate with his friends. But I do feel like for the most part, he's spared a lot of the drama that's going on online that's really quite unnecessary at that age. And there will come a time when he'll need a device, but we will um, approach that uh, very carefully. There's the approach that you take in your home, within your four walls, then you let them out into the world and different things happen at school, on the playground, sports teams, clubs or activities, wherever else they're doing. How have you managed to temper or address any of that as it affects your children and their exposure to screens? Well, I mean, they, they know they can't have it here. That's just how we do things out in our own home. And I, I draw that line. I explain to them that we do things differently in our home. And that doesn't mean everyone else is wrong. Everyone else has the right to live their life however they want. And I always try to take a super non-judgmental approach because everyone's facing different challenges, different lifestyles, different cultural backgrounds, different everything, right? So 
Um, when my kids go to their friends' houses, they often do play video games and they love it. You know, it is such a treat for them. And I don't resent that. I don't hold that against them at all. And I don't presume to, you know, micromanage other parents' philosophies on this. I don't want anyone to feel like they don't want to invite my kid over because they're worried about what I'm going to think. So I really think that it's, you know, I can only influence my own family's sphere and my own family's environment. And within that space, I do have the right um, to create an atmosphere that I want for my children that I believe is beneficial to them. But uh, outside of that, I mean, there's conversations that we have with our kids. We do talk about it. Um, if they come back, you know, feeling alarmed by something they saw or just overwhelmed by it, you know, we will discuss it. But um, I don't expect them to fight these battles when they leave my home. With respect to school, what is your thought on teaching styles and classroom learning that is primarily focused on screen time? That is a good question, and that's a that is a tricky one. We um, we opted out of the online learning after a couple of weeks of doing it, and I do write about that in the book because I could just see how horrible it was for my kids. They were not doing well. And that was a whole lot more work for me and my husband because we were both working full time. So we had to suddenly basically take charge of their education. So not an ideal situation, but it certainly um, shifted my perspective a bit on it. I'm disappointed to see how the schools haven't seemed to move away from a lot of the screen-based learning since the return to in-class learning. I would have liked to have seen a pushback, you know, to try to almost make up for that dreadful, you know, year or two that the kids had to put up with. Um, I do see technological creep in the public school classrooms that alarms me, um, and it does not seem to be leading to the kinds of increases in test scores that we want to be seeing. You know, the kids are not thriving. They're not doing well with it generally. Um, so I think it's something that needs to be brought up. Um, I do talk to my, my son's teachers each year. Um, whenever they have free time, I kind of encourage my kids to not go to the computers or the iPads to maybe try to do something more constructive. Um, advocating for recess, I think, and outdoor play and outdoor classrooms and green spaces and, you know, hands-on projects, I think, always helps. It's hard because I don't want to add to the teacher's workload. They're already trying to do so much, and I don't envy them their job. It's a lot. Um, but, you know, you also have to stand up for, for things that you want with your kids. So I do try to work with the kids, you know, talking to them, encouraging them to try fewer screen-based activities whenever possible. Time for a short break here on Where Parents Talk. When we come back, what does being a digital minimalist involve? Our guest, Catherine Martinko, author of Childhood Unplugged, explains in a moment. Stay with us. Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino. Welcome back. Catherine, before the break, you talked about why you wrote this book. Could you take us through your approach for writing it? How did you go about preparing and what messages do you want to convey? So the message I wanted to convey to parents is that this is possible, that there is an alternative to the status quo um, that is doable, that's manageable, it's not overwhelming, it's um, non-judgmental. You don't need to be some kind of extreme Luddite living in you know, the Middle Ages. It's not that we're rejecting technology. We're simply acknowledging that it exists, it needs to exist in, a, in its place, you know? <laughs> it needs to be uh, um, respected and 
um, enjoyed, but not allowed to take over every aspect of a person's life. So I have written, I was a senior editor at Treehugger um, for many, many years, which is an environmental news website. So I had written there a lot about outdoor play and free range parenting. Um, and then it sort of morphed into this um, interest in digital media and kids. And um, so I was able to build a lot on the research I had already done, reaching out to many of the experts that I'd interviewed over the years at Treehugger, who were willing to talk to me again for this book. So the book is really a blend of what my family does, as well as interviews with um, therapists, other sort of digital minimalist families, educators, um, outdoor play researchers, occupational therapists, lots of different people. And then a bit of a philosophical dive into what we lose when we allow digital media to take over every aspect of our lives. So the book, I hope it can empower families and make them uh, and meet them where they're at. You know, I hope that it has something for everyone in it. You talked about your family being digital minimalists. You also interviewed other families in that category. Was there anything that struck you about others who've also embraced digital minimalism? Sure. Yeah, there was one thing that I found absolutely fascinating because I I tried to find families that lived in urban centers as well as rural places. Um, so what was interesting is that each parent seemed to think that they lived in the perfect place to implement this philosophy. So there was one woman who lived downtown Toronto, um, and she said, I could not do this anywhere else. I do it in the city because we have swimming pools and skating rinks and libraries and museums, and everything is just within an easy walk from our front door, uh, where we can hop on the subway, we can go to the zoo, we can go to Toronto Island. There's just a million things to do. And I thought that was really convincing and really awesome. And then I had an interview a couple of days later with a woman who lives in Northern Ontario, and um, she said her house was in the middle of nowhere, surrounded with acres of forest, and there was a pond. And she said, I don't know how anyone can do it anywhere else. I need all of this space for my kids to roam and spend hours outside playing. So I was just, it made me realize that it doesn't matter where you live. You know, um, you can be in the most urban place in Canada or the most remote place in Canada. And if this is a philosophy that you want to embrace, you can do it. You can absolutely do it. What would you say is central to not only thinking about adopting a digital minimalist approach, but to actually ensuring that it is sustained? Enriching the child's offline life is key. You can't take this all away and not give them other things to do. Um, a child needs to be taught how to entertain themselves and how to play, um, how to you know develop hobbies and skills and interests, and that does fall to the parent. You know, it is it is harder. To parent without devices there are more demands i find my house is very loud <laughs> there's rarely moments of silence with because the kids are not tucked away in their rooms so i think that really um acknowledging that there will be noise and chaos and a lot of activity all the time that's fine but it will be busy and it will be exciting and that's good and i would also say uh, the parents need to set an example so that's a component of this whole conversation that is very central and unless the parents are exhibiting the same behaviors that they want from the kids you're not going to be successful so that is that's tricky for a lot of adults to accept and even i struggle with that too some days definitely a pain point in many families so what would you suggest that optimal role modeling as it relates to screen time uh, includes from parents so it depends, um, I'd say it depends on the age of the child too. So uh, with babies and toddlers, babies are not supposed to really have any access to screens or 
be even around them up until about two years of age, which is the recommendation officially. So I would say avoid watching TV if you can. Don't be scrolling on your phone when you're, you know, breastfeeding your baby or feeding your baby a bottle or whatever it is. Like that can be so tempting, but those are also key bonding moments for you and your child. Um, and as kids get older, it's recommended to maybe narrate what you're doing on your phone if you have a toddler or preschooler. So if you're looking at your phone, you can say, I'm looking up a recipe for dinner right now, or I'm going to FaceTime grandma and we're going to talk to her on the phone. So that there's always a context um, for the use of that device. And then it also might make you feel a little, it might make you second guess picking up the phone if you're just looking at how many Instagram likes you picked up in the last hour or so. So, you know, you don't want to have to tell your child that because it sounds a little bit silly. Um, as your kids get older, um, doing a tech um, Sabbath, also known as tech Shabbat, is an interesting idea when you unplug as a family for 24 hours each week. It can be a really good time for everybody to sort of recalibrate and um, do other activities together. I know older kids particularly seem to benefit from that. And having chunks of time when you're just offline, like when we travel with our kids, even if we just go on a canoe trip to Algonquin, which we're planning to do um, in August, we'll be gone for five days. And we're not even going to take our phones probably, or one for emergency purposes that will be turned off um, and completely inaccessible. So the kids, they see that, you know, and as an adult, pursue offline hobbies too. You know, you have to exhibit interests in other things, whatever they may be, so that your kids do the same. So yeah, it's not easy, but uh, it's definitely manageable. What would you suggest that optimal role modeling as it relates to screen time includes from parents? So I don't see it as my job necessarily to keep my kids happy all the time and ensure that they're fitting in with everyone. I see my job as preparing them for adulthood in the most effective way. And even though it means maybe going against the mainstream, I do believe that it is the best thing for them. And I think that parents sometimes can benefit from knowing that and being reminded that you are the leader in your environment. You are the leader of those children and you can set the example, you can set the rules. And it's never too late to rein in um, bad habits and to, you know, sit down with your kids and say, look, I've reconsidered what we might've been doing before based on new information that I have learned. Um, and it's okay to, to be the boss of your environment, I guess is what I'm trying to come at. Cause a lot of parents feel like they owe it to their kids to ensure that they are doing everything else that everyone else is doing. But, um, I don't think so. I disagree. I, I take a little bit of a different approach there. What other benefits would you say that you've experienced or that you've heard, uh, other people experience who are also digital minimalists, uh, as a result of reduced screen time? I would say, uh, creativity and deep play. So children benefit profoundly from having big chunks of time to get into games. And scientists have found that it takes up to 45 minutes for children to develop the rules of an imaginary game before they actually get into the game itself. And that can just seem like an impossibly long period of time to an adult spectator. Like how does it take 45 minutes to just, you know, negotiate with playmates? And yet these kids have so few opportunities to find themselves in these games. And um, devices all too often are the path of least resistance. They immediately provide distraction to a child. That kid is instantly lost into whatever world is there because it's so hyper-stimulating. And so you take that away and suddenly kids are looking all around them, you know, to the external world for their entertainment and they're finding wondrous things. So I think that, um, when you take the screens away, you create time and space for really life-changing new discoveries 
kids are also more prone to develop um, skills and habits and hobbies and, you know, um, the ability to focus and to sleep better and to study more and to eat better and to converse with their families. And yeah, it's you, you just, you open yourself up to life, I think on a completely different level. It's so interesting, your family dynamic as it relates to this particular topic. You've got a teenager, you've got a, a, a preteen and you've, and you've got a child um, in, in those age groups. And I wonder what does a typical day or a typical after school look like in the Martinko household? Sure. So they get up early. They wake up around seven in the morning. And so then we have about an hour and a half. Um, maybe no, they get up earlier than that. So we have about two and a half hours in the morning to fill and they all practice musical instruments in the morning. So um, they like to do their practices first to get that out of the way. And that occupies a good chunk of time. Um, so they're playing between 30 and 30 minutes in an hour each um, for their instruments. And then I also assign them chores. So they have chore lists to do first thing that they have to get through. So they're emptying the dishwasher, they're cleaning up the kitchen from breakfast, they're making their own breakfasts. And they're also packing their lunches because usually I'm working and so is my husband. So they're quite independent in that regard. Um, and then they walk themselves to school. So I also encourage people to do that with their kids because that gets kids outside. It's giving them exercise um, and it's time off devices because it's occupying swaths of time that might otherwise, you know, you're trying to fill. And so you might be inclined to just give your kid a, a tablet or something to watch. So they're at school all day. And then when they come home, um, they generally play outside for a really considerable chunk of time. And we encourage outdoor play year round. Um, regardless of the weather, um, less time, obviously, in the depths of winter when it's freezing cold. Um, they walk the neighbor's dog for $5 every single day. So that keeps them busy. They go a few blocks like that. And then they help out around the house again with dinner. Um, they read books. They play board games. They wrestle. They build forts. They do homework. Um, and that's that's about it. We always have a family dinner. There's often extracurricular activities to do. They come home and then they go to bed. And um, they're usually in bed by, you know, 8, 8.30 in the evening. So um, I think it's really important that kids get a good night's sleep. Um, so that's another thing that when you take away devices from their lives, they tend not to be lying in bed looking at, you know, TikTok videos until 11 or 12 at night. So um, yeah, it's that's that's pretty much a day in our life. Catherine, what would you say to a mother or father, family member, anyone listening to this interview who may say, I'm not that concerned. I've got somewhat of an eye out watching what my kid is doing, how much time they're spending on screens. What would you say to them to get them to listen to your message? To be completely honest, Leanne, if someone's not concerned, that's not someone that I'm trying to convince, you know? that they have every right to live their life that way if they want. Um, I don't think that that's my target audience, but I think that there are enough people who are feeling uncomfortable with the amount of time that their kids are on their phones. And I have not talked to a single parent who wishes that their kids spend more time on their phone. But the most common message I hear is that their kids won't get off their phones, that their kids aren't talking to them. Um, so I definitely would work with the people who are looking for alternatives, not the ones who are resistant to the message. Where would you like to see this conversation go, given where we are with the global epidemic of youth mental health and other factors where screen time is often considered a potential cause? 
Well, I would like to see it go in the direction of normalizing um, the idea of digital minimalist parenting. You know, right now it's a bit of a fringe thing. It's a little bit weird. People don't quite know how to take it when they hear about it. But um, I do think that I'm inherently I, I'm inherently hopeful about this. I think that we're at a really interesting time. You know, we're emerging from the post-COVID fog where we, you know, were told that we were going to get this digital future that suddenly arrived and we hated it. You know, none of us liked being on screens from dawn until dusk without any kind of face to face interactions with people. So we're pushing back against that. I think the science is starting to catch up now with the technology every month. It seems there's more big studies coming out that are alerting um, adults to the risks of excessive screen time and younger children. And I think that a lot of adults are absolutely exhausted with managing it. Um, you know, it, it's a very overwhelming, unwieldy issue. And people don't know what to do with it. And I think more and more people are inclined to kind of get at the root cause and perhaps look at reduction or, you know, elimination as a solution. So I think that the time is ripe for a shift in the way that people are viewing it. And I, I do feel hopeful. I think that we, uh, we need to, we need to reclaim childhood on behalf of our children. They're too little to do it themselves, um, but this is such a fleeting and an important stage in life and they deserve to be able to play and to use their imaginations and to not get sucked into digital devices too soon. Catherine Martinko, journalist, mom of three, and author of Childhood Unplugged, Practical Advice to Get Kids Off Screens and Find Balance. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your perspective today. Thank you, Leanne, it was a pleasure. That's our time. Thanks for listening. Happy parenting. Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.